Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. We, we did a message series back before Easter, all around Easter, called Dead Come to Life. And over the last several months, God's done really some kind of crazy work on the inside of me. And I don't sit still much. And I, get, I even sit even less still these days. We've been talking about once God makes somebody come to life, what does that life, what is that life supposed to look like? We started at the beginning of Colossians chapter 3. We started at verse 1. And we have been funneling all the way through the chapter ever since Easter. And we're going to keep doing that today because it's important for us to know if we claim to have been resurrected by the power of Christ out of the deadness of our sin, there are certain things that have to accompany that. There are certain things we take off and other things we put on. There are certain ways we handle relationships and there are certain ways we handle life and there are certain things we do and there are certain things we don't do. And if the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, then we should look Maybe smell, sound, walk, talk differently than anybody else. Are you with me? And we're going to keep on that trajectory. Um, one of my favorite pieces of scripture is Psalm 37, 23, and 24. And it reads like this. The steps of the godly, they're ordered of the Lord. He delights in the details of their lives. Every detail. Listen, though they stumble... They'll not be destroyed because he upholds them with his right hand. Boy, that's a confidence builder for me, man. Because I can stumble weekly for sure, sometimes daily. Anybody with me? But I got this God in heaven who's overseeing my steps, who's watching over my life, who's taking care of me and making sure certain things are in order. And, and he, he encourages us that, that, that he's ordering us. Okay, I, I, I absolutely, from the very core of who I am, I believe those words. But I don't just believe those words from Psalm 37. I trust them. And I have watched them outplay in my life. I have watched God order certain things about where I'm going and what I'm doing. I have watched him open doors that no man can shut and shut doors I thought I was supposed to walk to that I wasn't supposed to. I've watched him as I fall and stumble and scrape up my knees. Pick me up with his righteous right hand, one passage of scripture says, and hold me still and hold me steady in the midst of turbulence. Could it be, if those words are true, could it be that where you are right now in life, that where you live, that where you work, that who your family is, that, 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 that what you're embarking upon for your summer, could it be that he has placed you in those places on purpose? Could it be that he, he's just, this is not just random acts of weirdness. Could it be that there's a, there's, there's a God in heaven who has a plan that has seen you before you were born And said, I intend to place them in a neighborhood at an address. I intend to put them in a job. I intend to place them with a family. I intend for them to be something on purpose. Because if he has, then then that changes everything. And when we read words in Colossians 3.17 that say this, Whatever you do, 
do as representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. Could it be that whatever you do means whatever you do? Does it mean wherever you live, that's where you should be doing it? Wherever you work, that's where it should be happening. Does it mean that you can represent Christ regardless of the uniform you wear every day? Regardless of the clothing you put on, regardless of the paycheck, regardless of this idea of being raised to new life in Christ should revolutionize our homes. It should alter our perspective of our neighbors. It should change our work ethic. It should change everything about us. Now, we're kind of a people, if you're not used to being here with us, we are a very common people. We're common, man. Got a pleasure of telling somebody new to the church this morning, we put all, all of us put our pants on one leg at a time, man. And this guy's got smelly feet and no socks today. It's summertime, man. And you know what? God chooses to use a silly guy like me. I don't know why. I don't understand it. But listen, because he's chosen to use me, And I have listened to his voice and chosen to follow. That changes the dynamic of everything. And today, I would say this. If you you weren't here last week and missed it, you should go online today and go figure out. Because this idea of being alive in Christ is supposed to revolutionize everything. The whatever of whatevers. And then Paul begins to define the whatever by talking about, first and foremost, our homes. And how spouses are supposed to interact with one another. And how parents and children are supposed to interact with one another. And so if you missed that, you need to go, go home today. You need to go grab your iPhone, iPod, iPad, whatever thing you use. Go to the front of your computer. Download it. Put on the headphones. I don't care. Crank up the surround sound in the house and make everybody listen to it. Because if it does not start there, it doesn't matter what happens out here. Bible would go so far as to say, listen, if you keep your house in order, you have no business being a leader in his church. And so for too often, we have had people serving in great capacities of ministry, and their house is a wreck, and their home is a mess, and their lives do not emulate with the people they care about most, the love and the power of Christ. But then he doesn't stop there with just our home. He talks about how we, oh, here it comes, I'm about to throw a four-letter word out there at you guys. Sometimes in our culture, this is a four-letter word. It seems like profanity to anybody I say it to these days. W-O-R-K. Work. Work. God created us to W-O-R-K. He gave us purpose. He gave us reasons. He gave us skill sets he intended for us to use. And how we work should emulate the person of Christ. And he goes right into that. Let's read verse 22 and 23 of Colossians 3. Listen to these words. Work and why? Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Now, I forgot to say something as we read. There's a yellow Bible in front of you. If you're new to church, don't have a Bible, need a Bible, need to borrow a Bible, need to take my Bible home with you, that one's yours. 
Do you know where Colossians 3 is? Punch the person next to you and say, hey, help me find Colossians chapter 3. Okay, we call that discipleship, right? That's the beginning start of discipleship, showing somebody somewhere where, where something lies in the scripture, okay? If you happen to be really in technologically sound, you can grab your iPhone, your iPad, your Android, whatever thing you use, your whatever, and you can get notes on new version. You can follow right along with me. It'll make it crystal clear, I, I think. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff going on inside this little cranium of mine, and I have a hard time getting it all out. Only got one shot to do today, so I can't mess up. He tells us, in reverent fear of the Lord, serve sincerely. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And so the first thing he says here, he tells us to do something that's another four-letter word that sound, Bill Cosby would say it sounds like pig Latin. Obey. Obey. This has to do with physical obedience, actually carrying out a task. This, this idea of obey, it actually means the Hebrew, the Hebrew word used for obey that was translated, that they used when, back in the Old Testament, it meant to answer the door. It seemed like a weird statement. There's also a piece of scripture that said, I'd rather be a doorman in the house of God than to sit in the, in the courts of kings. Kind of, a funny, kind of a funny correlation there, don't you think? Open the door. To do the, me, the most menial of tasks. To do whatever you do. And you know what, does, what happens? When we obey at a physical level, when we do what God requires of us, when we, when, we, when we come under authority of those God's placed over us, and we do what they ask, it opens up a couple of things for us. It opens up the doorway to responsibility. And I would paraphrase that by saying blessing. Because most of us are looking for blessing, but we're not looking for the responsibility attached to it. Almost always, in the, in, in when God talked about blessing someone, there was always responsibility attached to that blessing. And what we want in our modern day of life is this. We want, we want blessing, but no responsibility. When we obey, when we open the door, when we answer the door that God places in front of us to work, to, to, to use our skill sets to do things, we open a door also of blessing that takes the shape of responsibility. But also through that doorway is something that, that, that we believe strongly in around here. And it's that, that, that sign back there in the corner. It says every believer can minister. The funny thing is when we walk through the responsibility door of doing something, it often opens up a door for us of ministry. We get to serve God by whatever work that we do. We get to serve people a lot of times by doing what we do. We get to serve coworkers. We, some of us have the privilege of working in things like the medical profession and serve people all day long. That's ministry. Some of us get the chance to rub shoulders with people and elbows and things with people we would have never got to except we, got, we took on a responsibility of taking on a task. And God placed us on there by them, not just to draw a paycheck, but because he needed heaven to intervene on earth. And he placed us right beside them. Right beside them. And so... Physical obedience opens the doors of opportunity. That opens up responsibility and ministry when we answer the door. Oftentimes, that door being opened opens up all kinds of new avenues for us. He, he makes a funny statement there. He says, he says, slaves obey your masters in everything you do. 
He says, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. I'm about to give you a why here that should, that should come across every barrier of your life. It makes no difference if we're talking about your home. It doesn't make any difference if we're talking about volunteering for somewhere, something. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, we're talking about a work where you do draw a paycheck. It doesn't matter if we're talking about just being in your neighborhood and noticing something needs to be done and just taking it upon yourself to do it. Here's what you do. You please them to honor him. You please them. Them who? Whoever. The neighbor next door. The coworker that gets on your nerves. The boss that doesn't understand how much pressure you're under. The administrator who just wants to tongue lash you. The, 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 how about this? The spouse you can't seem to do anything right around. Why do you do, why would you please them to honor him? You were created for one reason, really. One purpose and one purpose only. One. Out of that comes all sorts of opportunity and places. But you were created for one purpose. You were made in the image of God to bring honor to him. You are not just at some place to draw a paycheck or to fill your 401k. You are not there to buy a boat or a big screen TV or another 500 pairs of shoes. You are there to honor God. To honor him. You honor him by pleasing them. Now let's get, now let me add a little bit of thing here. Sometimes certain bosses, certain places, certain people are going to ask you to do things that are unethical, unscriptural, illegal, or sinful. And those things, no. Everything else is yes. Are you hearing me? We, God wants us to physically obey Reverent fear of the Lord is the reason you work like you work. Like the reason you pray like you pray. The reason you love like you're supposed to love. The reason you give like you're supposed to give. The reason that you, that you reach like you're supposed to reach. The reason that you, you do anything is to bring honor to him because you reverently love and fear him. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so we have to live every day in the light that there's this God who loves us, a Father in heaven who's looking down, he's paying attention, he's watching when nobody else is, which brings to point number two, when it's seen and when it's unseen. He says, even when they're not watching you, even when they're not watching you, not just when they're watching you, but when they're not. In fact, I would say God is more pleased with you when you intentionally do things not to be seen. And you do it because it's the right thing to do. Not because you're going to receive some award. Not because there's some gift at the end of the thing. Not because, because you know what? You love him. You want him to get all glory and credit for anything that happens in your life. And so you just work and you give it your all because you know he's the one who empowered you, who gifted you, who gave you the all opportunity, who opened the door. And you go, man, I got, I'm serving you today. And then suddenly, the hourly salary doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Then suddenly, the benefit package becomes irrelevant. Then suddenly, the, the, the fact that I just get to be a part of God's plan comes into focus. And you go, wow! Physical obedience. 
all the time, seen and unseen. But he also doesn't stop there. He says we must interact on spiritual obedience. The word there he uses is serve sincerely. That means from the heart. It means it's that which is given to someone to give something life and distinction. From the inside out, I serve. I just don't obey with my body. I obey, I obey from the inside of my core of my being. Students, you're in here today by God's design, not by mine. Don't just flip fries to get a paycheck. Don't just do homework because the teacher makes you. Don't just do whatever it is you do just to, just to get by because it just Do that like you're serving Jesus. And do it from your heart. College student, learn all you can why you are in college so that God can open up doors for you that, 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 would, be, that would cause his blessing and opportunity to flow. Don't slack and don't get sidetracked and don't get knocked off because if you're just doing it to physically obey, you're going to lose heart. If you do it from the inside that God's doing things for you and through you and in you and you want to serve him with all your guts, then suddenly you give life to a job that seems meaningless. You give life to a task that seems insignificant. You, 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 give, you give hope in a circumstance that seems like it makes not the difference in the world of what I'm doing. And know that when you're, when, when you're doing your thing, God is looking down from heaven. He's going, listen, I got my eyes on you. I am taking notice. Serve me with your heart. Serve others because you love me. Serve with everything that you are. But he doesn't stop at spiritual obedience. He takes it clear into the soulish realm of our lives. He says, he says these words, work willingly at whatever you do. This word has to do with our mind, our will, and our emotions. The Bible tells us that we should love God with our heart. We just talked about sincere, sincerely from the heart. We talked about physical obedience. Jesus would say to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Okay? That's fit. strength is physical low, physical obedience, doing something with all your energy, all your blood, sweat, and tears. But he says, also do it with your mind, your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. Willingly, you put your will in there and you determine that you are going to honor Christ because he's raised you out of darkness and despair. All of a sudden, you're not just working some of you guys sitting around here work at Glattfelder or Kenworth or own your own business or whatever it is that you do. Listen to me. Serve willingly because you have committed your whole life, your whole path, your whole heart to God. Because you recognize that Jesus paid a great price for you and your life is worth having because he's in it. Willingly. With all that you are. See, we believe other things around here. We believe that worship's a lifestyle. It's not just a portion of the service where we sing music together. We believe that real worship unto God is a life that's laid down before him. And I can lay down my life, not just on Sunday mornings or when connection groups going on. Or I can lay down my life at a plant. 
I can lay down my life behind a cash register. I can lay down my life in the front yard. I can lay down my life serving other people by volunteering somewhere. I can lay down and I can do those things with physical effort and strength. I can do it with my heart and I can do it willingly. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Just like that. And I want to tell you something. He says again, he reiterates, once again, not for him, not for them. Twice in that two verses, he says the same thing over again. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. The next time you want to, you know, completely go off at the coworker, all of a sudden see Jesus standing there. The next time you want to moan and complain and gripe and gossip about your boss, suddenly picture Jesus. The next time you want to get in that whole upheaval about how badly we're getting paid and the whole crew's getting all uptight, remember that the person who really opened that door of opportunity to you was not just you and how good looking you were. It was Jesus who directed a step and placed you there. Oh boy, we could change the world. Romans 12, 11 reads like this. Never be lazy. There's another four-letter word. I got all kinds of them today, don't I? <laughs> Obey, work, and lazy. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It's amazing that God puts all those things all in one context. Work hard, serve the Lord enthusiastically. We ought to be the most endeared to our boss's people on the planet because they cannot survive and keep doing their, what they're doing without us. Not because we're anything, but because Jesus lives inside of us. And just like Joseph in Potiphar's house, he brings blessing to the vehicle of people and we get to be the vehicle he brings that with. Wow. Don't stop looking at your job as a job. Look at it as an opportunity of God to use you somewhere, not only to bring blessing to your own situation by the by way of making provision for you, but by opening the door for his light and his glory to shine through you to other people. Your boss, your coworkers, your customers, your patients, whoever that might be, all of a sudden change the vernacular, change the perspective and realize you are not there just to earn money. You are not there. And you know what's funny about this is Paul's talking to people who don't even earn money. Contextually, he expects slaves because they're following Christ to act like that. The idea of a paycheck is not even attached contextually to this piece of scripture. Ooh, that did change the whole thing, wouldn't it? Once again, for him, not them. Now listen, let's read, let's read verse 24 and 25. More why. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. If, but if you do what is wrong, huh, here's some fun stuff. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you have done. The reason? God has no favorites. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not that special.
Now, it may seem like some people are getting away with stuff for a time. But I promise, Galatians 6 is still true. As we sow, we reap. You keep trying to work angles and work edges and not really do your job and not really serve Christ well and not really be a good co-worker and not really be a good employee, it will catch up with you. He's paying attention, not just about the good things, he's paying attention about the bad things. As a man sows, so shall he reap. So here's what we have to remember. The real master and the reward are coming. Jesus is coming. He promised us the way he left, he'd come back. And he said his reward would be with him. And so Paul reminds us, remember, the real master you're serving is Christ. And he's the one bringing the reward. Or maybe the lack of it. The reward of the inheritance, knowing that it's from the Lord, you shall receive the compensation. Is what Jameson Fawcett Brown says about this scripture. Consisting of an inheritance. For Christians, slaves may be applied to today's Christian employees. If more Christian employees today serve their employers with genuine employers with genuine concern as though they were serving God, quality and productivity would increase dramatically. It is the Lord Christ whom all Christians are serving. Their final payday will come from him. And he will judge without favoritism. That is in full justice, repaying wrongdoers and rewarding those who serve him. So let's get a real perspective on what we're talking about, okay? The God who spoke everything into existence will one day put everything back in order. When he puts everything back in order... He will dish out reward and he will dish out recompense to all those. And all of us will have to stand before him. Every one of us. Every one of us. For those of us who are in Christ, we get to stand before him. He'll say, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with that job I made available to you? What did you do with that money I gave you? What did you do with those words I put in your heart? What did you do with that love I put in your heart towards your spouse or towards your children? What did you do with that? What did you do with the opportunity I gave you at the dinner table that one day during lunch break when you were working second shift and hated it and knew your kids were out playing baseball? What did you do with the opportunity to have that interaction with that coworker? What did you do with that? What, and, and so we got to remember he's the one we're serving always and forever. Paul made numerous points about motives, attitudes, and conducts. Conduct of Christian slaves. Such instruction was remarkable in his society at the time. Paul was rocking the boat. He was grabbing a hold of the thing everybody was used to, the comfort zones they were in. He was giving it this big... You guys love being in a canoe when somebody starts acting a fool like that, don't you? Huh? You love being one of the little paddle boats... And that goofy, crazy dude who can swim is rocking the boat and you can't. Right? Paul's grabbing a hold of the, the, the status quo, the normalcy of what the culture he lived in. And he grabbed it and he started to rattle it. <sighs> See, because when, when, we, we have to realize that we can be people under authority and God expects certain things. We can be people of authority and he expects certain things. Because where he turns the corner at the beginning of, of chapter 4, verse 1. Listen these words. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. 
Ephesians 6, 8, 9 read like this. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Same context. He just turns the corner for a minute and talks directly to a, to a boss, to a person of authority, not a person under authority. He says, listen, be aware that you're serving Christ too. And how you treat people who work for you, how you treat people who are under you, matters too. And you shouldn't expect that you shouldn't treat them unfairly. You shouldn't treat them unjustly. You shouldn't, you should not, you should, especially if they're in Christ, you should treat them as family. Wow. Now that would change everything. If we could get workers and employers to do that with each other, this would, the, the whole thing would be a whole nother thing, dude. Would it not? Matthew 7, 24 says, no, I'm wrong, wrong passage. 21. I think it's 721. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Is that right? Can you imagine if employees and employers applied that to every single work day? Huh? Can you imagine what, the, what, what it would be like? Can you imagine the, the, the change it would go on? One, one commentary I read said this. If employers always did this, there would be no labor problem. Leader, person of authority, your leadership should reflect him. Again, you are not serving only them, which if you're a leader, you should, because the greatest place in the kingdom is the place of a servant. So even if you're a leader, you should be using that as an opportunity to serve people. And your leadership should reflect him. You're not just ordering them around. You are serving him by being a person of authority over them. You serve Christ by leading. This goes across anybody who, who serves in a leadership capacity in this church. This goes for anybody who serves in a leadership capacity in a, in, a, in, a, in a regular job. This goes for anybody who serves in any leadership as a coach, volunteering for Little League. If you're a place of authority, you should lead like you're representing Christ because God takes that really seriously. Ask a guy named Moses. Because he chose not to lead well at one point in time. And God said, sorry, dude, you can't get into the promised land. You get to watch from a distance as they cross over. Because God takes how we lead and how we serve people by leading really strongly. And so you, you, you've, got to, you've got to do that. Christian employers need to remember God's priority order as revealed here in Colossians. And take it to heart when considering employer-employee relations and demands. This is a good question. Are the demands employers making stopping fathers and mothers from obeying God's word? Oh, that's a tough question. Are, are you the employer that's requiring a husband not to be home 85 hours a week just so you can make quota? We gotta do, and we gotta do that. And we gotta, yeah, I know, I know we do. We, 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 we. But here's the thing. I believe that God takes care of us when we do things His way. When our, our biggest concern is honoring Him, He takes care of things. Does that mean we don't go through hard times? No. That does mean, though, that we trust Him even when things look really difficult and ugly and harsh. 
That means that we, we, we go, you know what, God, I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. I'm going to do it the best way with the right heart. I'm going to expect your Holy Spirit to empower me in the moment when I need it. And whatever, however the cards fall out, however the chips lay out, I'm going I'm to walk this out with you. And if God can bless Joseph in the house of Potiphar, he can take care of me. If he can take care of Abraham in a season of famine, he can take care of me. If he can make a coin materialize in the mouth of a fish to take care of Peter, he can take care of me. Huh? If he can drop manna out of heaven to take care of the Israelites, he can take care of me. If he can take water and make it come out of a rock, he can take care of me. If, I, if he can split the Red Sea and get me where I need to go, he can take care. Uh, or t- or if he can take the children of Israel and do that for them, he can do that. He can take care of me. And so we've got to start living life as if we really believe he's the one we're serving. To, be a, to live in a resurrected life means that we take our work situation seriously as if we're serving him, not them. Boss or employee, that's how we should be transacting business. Bible knowledge commentary is like this. On the other hand, masters were to provide for their slaves of what is right and fair. Is that after all, masters themselves are responsible to the Lord, their master in heaven, who treats them fairly. If employers of non-slaves today manifested this kind of compassionate and impartial care for their employees, certainly their employees' motivation to work would radically improve. I just love how Paul just kind of takes us all. Like, he, did, he didn't cut husbands, no slack, last week. He didn't cut wives, no slack, last week. He didn't cut children, no slack, last week. He didn't cut parents, any slack, last week. And now he's not giving employers or employees any slack. He's like, listen, you, you can be, you know what he's saying? You can be what God designed you to be. You know what he's saying? You can reach a standard and be something that honors and glorifies me and changes eternity for somebody. Because if our workplace is just merely a workplace, that means nothing. But if our workplace is a mission field where we can honor God, then suddenly it makes a difference what we do. Suddenly, it's more than just earning a check. Suddenly, it's more than just doing a task. Suddenly, it's more than just, just, just being a, 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 an employee or a member of the union or whatever it is that we do. You know what? Suddenly, we are involved in eternal business. Suddenly, it's more than just being a student. Suddenly, it's more than just being a teacher. Suddenly, it's more than just, just, just showing up to work and hitting a time clock. Suddenly, it has eternal significance and value. And we need to live in that kind of light. Because we will all cross that line at some point in time. And our hope is to hear the one who saved us say these words. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Wow. Paul would give encouragement in 2 Thessalonians 1. So we keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. The name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. Is those, are those awesome words? This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace never ceases to be a part of the equation. 
We only get to be what we get to be because he gave us an opportunity to, under, to, to, to participate in unmerited favor. He chose to honor the name of God by giving his life. And he says, listen, I will change your life because you embrace that grace. None of you deserve it. None of you are worthy. None of you are, are capable of being what you need to be all on your own. But here's what I do. I give you a chance to walk with me. And I open the door wide and I say, listen, let's run this race together. Suddenly, life takes on a whole new perspective. Can I ask you a question? Does how, does how you work reflect Jesus? When you think back over the last seven days, we're about to start a new work week tomorrow. Many of us not going to work since we leave here. Think about the last several days of your life. Think about the effort and the energy you put in. Think about the attitude that you had. Think about the opportunities that were given to you. Think about the, the arguments that you had or the interactions you embarked upon. Think about those things for just a minute and ask yourself this question. Did what I do this week reflect Christ? Will Jesus be praised because of how I did what I did this week? See, I can answer that question for you. I wasn't with you 24-7. I did not interact with you and your boss. I did not interact with you and your spouse. I did not interact with you and your kids. I did not interact with you and a coworker. I wasn't there when you were coaching baseball on the baseball field this week. I, I, I wasn't there. And so I can't answer those questions. But you and Jesus can. And what he's saying is this. Come up here. Don't live down here anymore. Come up. Because the word repent means to go up to a new plane. It means you turn around and you come up to a, new, to, a new, to a new level. Okay? You change your mind. You change your direction. You come up to a new place. Okay? That's why they call it a penthouse. Okay? Where's the penthouse? It's on the top. It's the, it's the, it's the place in New York everybody wants to live. When God asks us to repent, he says, turn from the direction you're going, turn around, and come up to a new place. And what he's saying is, if you realize that today you, you've not been a good boss, you've not been a good employee, you've not been a good spouse, you've not been a good parent. Listen, today I want you to do, I want you to repent, I want you to get over that, and I want you to come towards me, I will wash you clean of all your unrighteousness and your filth. And he says, listen, we'll go to a new place, a higher place, a better place. You can be a better worker because I can give you a new heart and a new mind. I can give you new thoughts. I can give you new eyes. I can give you new ears. I can give you a new perspective of how life is to be done. Come and follow me. Can you imagine for a second with me what it would look like if we did that? Work is not just what you get paid for. It's the daily movement of your life the daily task, the daily work that needs to come out of your life. If we recognize our work is that, then it changes how we look at everything. What if I took tasks and I turned them into worship of God to glorify him? What, 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 if, what, if, what if mowing the grass of a neighbor or shoveling snow? What if I started helping an elderly person get groceries in and out of their car? What if I helped a coworker who was having a hard time getting their work done? I stay a little extra and help them get it done. 
What, 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 if, what if it doesn't fit into my job description or it happens during my break time? What if suddenly I start serving Christ rather than serving people? But I serve Christ by serving people. What, 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 if, what if all of a sudden I begin to help some child with schoolwork who's having a hard time? What if, I be, what if I do that because I see the calling of God on their life and what they could be if somebody would just care enough? What if all of a sudden uh, I, 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 would, I, would, I would do the laundry or cook dinner or do the dishes? Not because my wife or my husband asked me to, but because I realized suddenly I'm serving Jesus and I can change their day for just a second. I can unleash a heavy burden on them. I could do a list. I got, I got, there's so many things you could add to this list suddenly that would change everything if we would just serve people around us like we serve Christ, as if we were serving Christ. What if I took spiritual tasks and all of a sudden I realized I'm glorifying God in them? I mean, what, think about this for a minute. What if God gave me the task of mentoring a person younger than me in Christ? And I'm not asking any of you at that moment to be a theologian. I'm asking you to look around you and see people who've not been walking with Christ as long as you have. I'm asking you to offload what you have learned and give it to them and spend time with them. What happens if I take that task and then suddenly I, had a ta- I, I, I realize I'm really serving Christ, I'm not just spending time? What if I, what, what, what if I, what if I do that? What if, what if I, I take a boon myself to, to facilitate a small community of believers? At Church Triumphant, and I help some people get down the road. What, what if I don't just take it as a serious, like, like being on the schedule at church? What if I find there are some people at, at work who are really hungry to find out things about God, and, and taking our mid-morning break, instead of doing that, we meet at the break room, and I grab that yellow Bible, and I take it, and I, I help them down the road. What if I did that? What if my daily task suddenly took on a worship vein? What, what would happen? What would happen if I saw that I could glorify God by helping Kim clean this building. What, what, if, what if I realized that, you know, somebody's got to change light bulbs and furnace filters? And what if I said, that's just a menial task, but I could worship Jesus by doing that. I could W-O-R-K and not have to memorize scripture to do it and to honor God. But probably in the meantime, I'd get around people who did, and it would get on me. What, what, what if I suddenly took on a task of ushering people and making sure they could find a seat or know where the restroom is or get a cup of coffee? What if I realized I can run, a, I, I work on a computer all day long. And you know what? They need somebody to work in a, and be a help with the media back there. I Man, I could glorify God by doing that. What if they, I found out that they, need, they still need a counselor for kids camp and they've been asking for two weeks and I, I hang out with those kind of kids. There are three or kids in my age group in my neighborhood. I hang out with all the time. Why don't I sign up for kids camp and spend 40 hours of my time glorifying God by working with kids? See, all of a sudden, the to-do list is no longer a to-do list. It's a worship opportunity for me to honor God. It doesn't matter where it takes place. God needs an army of diligent servants. That's what this whole piece of Scripture is about. Who will glorify Him in whatever they do. And whatever they do, they will glorify His name. 
by being a worker, by being a boss, by being a good husband, by being a good wife, by being a good parent, by being an honorable child, by, 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 by being a great cash register operator, by being a good construction worker, by being a good teacher or an administrator, by being a good whatever it is that I do, by, being, by, by just serving God with all my heart, all of a sudden, my life takes on a whole new frame of thought. And I'm not just a worker. I am an ambassador. I am a missionary for God because he's being glorified by what I do. Ephesians 6, 7 says this, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. So what do I do now? Pray for a new perspective of where God has you. Well, I don't have a job anymore. He still got you someplace. He put you somewhere on purpose. He put you in a neighborhood on purpose. He put you in some retirement community on purpose. He, he put you wherever he put you on purpose. I lost my job last week. Well, he's got a plan. Ask him to give you a new perspective about that. You know what? Commit yourself today. Pray for God giving you perspective, but commit yourself today, this day, this week, to do all the tasks that you do as unto him. Let this be the week you start it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait until after the summer's over because you had all these plans. Today. Commit to serve people like you're serving Jesus. Commit to serve your spouse like you're serving. Commit to serve your children like you're serving. Commit to serve your customers. Commit to serve your employees or your employers. Commit to serve the people you're volunteering for whatever thing you're volunteering for as if they're Jesus. Commit today to, 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 to serve your, your, your friends and your relatives. Commit today. Commit today to lead people in such a way that the character of God would be seen in you. Today. Because if, if all we do is talk and we sing and we shout and we walk out of here, we're not different and we don't work different and we don't talk different and our home isn't different. What we've done here for the last two hours means nothing. If it does not change us, we've wasted our time.